Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome on back. We're going to talk to Frank Dolce momentarily. Gordon, at some point today, we've got to get to the, the travesty that is uh, the Jets firing Greg Williams today. <laughs> Single-handedly saved their season yesterday, and they fire him for his trouble today. Just uh, ridiculous. Yeah, that was the best thing. Yeah, you're right. That was the best move all season long, right? He saved their season. He, he absolutely <laughs> saved it. And, and now gets, he's gone. Gets fired for his trouble today. What? You talk about a guy who's had uh, quite the controversial, colorful career. He, uh, that's Greg Williams. He's uh, had his moments of trouble. Yeah, and this time he's getting something that he didn't deserve. <laughs> Made a team decision. <laughs> and is getting canned for it today. Just terrible. He knew that he had the best interest of the club. Yes, yes, he did. 100%. He made the call that lost the game, and somehow he gets (laughs) fired for it today. I just just don't get it. We'll have to get to that a little bit later on. There's always a fall guy, man. I guess so. Just ask Chris Carter. Let's jump out to, oh, yeah, that's a deep reference right there, Austin. Nice. Well done. All right, let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now, uh, former Utah quarterback, longtime Ute analyst, and our good friend Frank Dolce. What's going on, Frank? Hey, guys. Good afternoon. Great to catch up with you. Good to catch up with you, Frank, as always. Uh, appreciate you jumping on with us. Utah gets their first win of the year, which is, you know, considering they've only played three games. But uh, give us kind of your takeaway uh, takeaways from the win over the Beavs. Well, I think that win was much more difficult than it needed to be. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, based on where uh, – how Oregon State – entered that football game with uh, injuries to two key position groups and and what I thought Utah was going to, to be able to accomplish. Yeah, it just it felt like uh, it just felt like a lot more work than than necessary. So I don't and I don't know if that's I don't know exactly who I'm implicating in that, but but uh, I you know, I think that Utah um, probably comes out of that game happy for the win, but still with a little bit of concern about uh, the team. So answer me something, uh, Frank. When, when you saw that Oregon State got the ball back in those final minutes on two different occasions and the Utes had already given up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, what were you thinking at that point? Well, I was not, I was not at all confident, unfortunately, um, that Utah was going to be able to to pull it out on the defensive side for two reasons. Um, the the Utah was relying heavily on a four man rush at the line of scrimmage, and even with a younger 
Uh, I'd call him inexperienced, but he played a couple years at Saddleback, so I, I don't know that he's completely inexperienced. But, you know, young, young, younger, inexperienced quarterback, I guess is what we'll say. Um, still, still had some success in the game. And Utah wasn't able to necessarily get home with a four-man rush, you know, in terms of quarterback hurries, sacks, you know, making the quarterback uncomfortable. Um, so that was one concern that I had is, is Utah maybe felt like they couldn't, they couldn't put, they couldn't bring pressure. They couldn't be more creative in, in pressuring the quarterback. And then two is, uh, in that scenario, quarterback has a little bit more time to throw. And the defensive secondary, um, still a little concern about the, the ability of the de- defensive secondary to hold on to people for a long time and not give up a big play. So on the defensive side, those, those were, I think those were concerning, really concerning issues, especially at the, at the defensive front. And I think that's all related to just personnel and Morgan Scally trying to manage his personnel as effectively – as possible. I don't think he'd necessarily, this is just me, by the way. I mean, I haven't, no, nobody's told me this, but it just feels like there's not, maybe there's not a lot of faith in this, in the, in this secondary to hold on to guys. And so you're going to put as many people in the defensive backfield as possible to, to, to mess up passing lanes. Um, and then just kind of live and die with a, with a four man rush, even, even if it's not getting home. So that was concerning. And then the other side of the ball is, you know, it's just, I think as as fans, you probably have the feeling of why why can't Utah pick up a first down? Why can't Utah create a little bit of a drive here and limit Oregon State's opportunities at a comeback? You know what what what's happening here in the second half? And there is this there's this feeling in the community of Andy Ludwig becoming super conservative. And I don't, I mean, I, I don't know that I really put that on Coach Ludwig. I think that he's doing the same thing that Morgan Scally's doing on the defensive side, is that he's just trying to manage his personnel the best way he can. So, you know, if you're looking at a third down and five scenario, you know, lots of times you think, well, that's that's a throwing, that's a passing scenario. That's you were going to throw the ball, but but you have to you have to factor in the personnel you have available and how they've performed in that game. And if I have third and five, and and I say, well, you know, here's here's Bentley's been okay. He's been pretty good at times. He's he's missed a few times, and um, boy, it just seems too risky to to chance putting our team in a difficult situation with with a turnover and then I have Ty Jordan who's been pretty darn successful you know I probably lean that way too so you know maybe his play calling was conservative but but conservative based on the personnel and the situation in the game I think I, I couldn't. I can't really put any blame on Coach Ludwig the way he managed that. Okay, so I'm so glad you brought that up, Frank. I I, I am so glad because in the, um, well, 
Let, let's rewind the tape last week when we had you on, and we were asking you about, oh, the turnovers, Frank. I mean, the turnovers are just killing it. Nine in two games. Can you believe it? And listen to what Coach Witt said about the turnovers. And Andy Ludwig is disgusting, uh, disgusting, disgusted, <laughs> disgusted with the, with the turnovers. And then fast forward to post game when Coach Witt is giving his comments after the Oregon yeah. State game where he goes, well, we were just too vanilla with those three and outs. If I'm Andy Ludwig, I'm going, Coach, you threatened me with my life that if we turned it over again, I'd be fired. And now I'm too vanilla? I'd be, I mean, yeah. I, I could not yeah. believe that I heard that from Coach Witt. Well, it's been a couple weeks in a row that Coach Whittingham has been, I, I think he's been pretty pointed in his comments about the offensive side specifically. He's been, I think he's been complimentary of the defensive side and and pretty rough on the offensive side. I think that's a fair characterization of his, of his comments, but I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's not, but, but um, I feel like, you know, there's, there's, there's things happening on the defensive side too. You, get, you have a 21-point lead in, in one game. You have a 20-point lead in another game. And, uh, and so, you know, I think you have to say, well, the offense has done, has done pretty well. Yeah, and, and the defense maybe needs to make a, a couple more plays. But, but in two weeks in a row now, it's he said against Washington. He said it's not about the plays; it's about getting the ball into the hands of your playmakers. I thought that was a pointed comment. And then what did we see? We see Brent Keithy get several targets and catches. Ty Jordan becomes the featured back. Britton Covey uh, is is goes from non-existent to catching a touchdown and being very engaged in the football game. Uh, and with, and, and Brian Thompson's out of the game. So I think, so I think there's something that happened after that comment. Now it's, now it's, uh, and we did, you know, I did the post game with hands and we listened to that very same comment. <laughs> and that was what I said afterward is like, okay, it was, maybe it was conservative. I mean, I think a lot of people could look at that play calling and say, well, it's conservative. But I just I can hardly falter Coach Ludwig based on the personnel uh, on the field at the time. And those guys, by the way, have much, a much better sense of what's happening with the individual players than any of us do. So it's easier for us to say, to drop to, to look at this and say, well, you throw, you have to throw the ball in that situation, you know, get the ball to Keithy and, and, or find Britton Covey or, well, earlier in that football game, Brent Keithy was wide open, should have scored maybe two touchdowns and the, and the pass was inaccurate. So, and that's in, that's in when the game is not as much less meaningful. Now you're in the fourth quarter and, uh, you know, something like uh, uh, an interception is way more meaningful. I, I think I'm going to side with Coach, Coach Ludwig on this one. Frank, as a former quarterback, will you break down the specifics, the pros and cons you're seeing now that Jake Bentley? So I think Jake Bentley has all I, – I, physically, I think he has all of the tools. Like, I, I, you know, I watch him run around. He's very athletic. I, I think he has a terrific – heart uh, and and he's picked up first downs in in situations where it looks like he was going to be stopped and and he's kept drives alive with his with his legs i think the, all of those things are 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 you can complement all of those things there have been times when he's uh, especially on the move he's rolled out 
He's thrown the ball with great accuracy. I think his arm strength is good. Um, I think accuracy at times is good. Uh, and it seems like it seems like he doesn't necessarily get get flustered. Um, and and I thought he got rid of the ball in a much more timely fashion against Oregon State than he did, you know, week one and week two against Washington. So all all of those things I think think are good. There there are two things, maybe two things that I'd point out that I would say, well, is there an area for improvement? Um, how can he take take charge here? And, and really start to lead this Utah offense. And by, and by the way, just making the point again, I think physically he has all of the tools. I don't think there's a question about that. Uh, when, you have, you know, when you have an open guy, uh, you, you just have to, you have to hit those passes. I, I mean, I know you're going to miss some of those, but, but twice down in the goal line, those are critical situations. And so – I'd say that's something to consider. In a critical situation, um, and you have to make a pass, then then he's you know he has to make a pass. And I think that's one area that's a little that people are a little uncertain about right now. The other thing I, I think is I don't real I, I I haven't necessarily seen him take the reins, take control, take charge of the offense. I know his teammates like him. They voted him a captain. So it's not a question about whether or not guys like him or trust him or believe in his leadership, but he has to now. I think he has to exhibit that leadership. You know, Tyler Huntley was challenging at times because he was he, he, lots of times he was running around with his hair on fire. It felt like and maybe didn't have a concept of what he wanted to do or what he didn't want to do. Put his team in difficult situations. Um, was you know a hundred percent effort all the time. But one thing you could say about Tyler Huntley is that even with Zach Moss and some of the other guys on the field who, who were very productive, Huntley was the alpha. He was the leader. He took control of the offense. And, very, and, and, and truly, you know, as Tyler Huntley went, very much so did the Utah offense. And, and I'd like to see Bentley exhibit a little bit more of that leadership. Like, hey, this is, you know, this is my team. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead you guys. Follow me. Let's go. Let's go make this happen. You know, let's go figure out how to get a, to convert a third and six, and let's go have, figure out how to score a couple touchdowns in a critical situation. So, of all the things I've watched with Billy, I think those are the two things that I would say are are areas that uh, I'd like to see improve. Frank, uh, when Gordon and I initially were talking about this today, the the biggest thing that happened in that game, uh, in my opinion, that will affect Utah in the near and distant future is Ty Jordan grabbed those reins as RB1 big time, and I would guess he's not giving them back. And since he's a true freshman, I mean, Utah always seems to find a baller or a running back. I mean, it happens seemingly every single year. But they found another one, and he's a true freshman. I mean, he's really, really good. He's fantastic. He's terrific. Uh, he, you, you, when you look at him, uh, when you look at him on, on, on film and on game tape, there's no question when you, when you look at him in person, you know, you think, wait, wait, this guy, I mean, he's super physically, he's super physical and he's fit and, but he's just a little bit, you know, kind of on the short stocky side. He just doesn't look like he would necessarily be the guy, but he is 
without question the guy. And that's that's with considering that there's a couple other guys, maybe three other guys there that are pretty pretty good. Like, you know, Brumfield Brumfield and and, and Wilmore, I I like those guys. And and I think Utah could be successful with those guys. But it's clear that Jordan takes the the running back position to a to a different level. He plays at a different level. He plays at a different speed. He plays at a different physicality, and uh, and for, for Utah offensively to be successful, that is critical. That is a critical position group. The way that they run that offense. So I, I'm excited about him. I'm really happy the, the way that he's he's progressed in his few games as a Ute, and I hope that uh, you know I hope we see him around here a long time. Um, with all of this success that he's having, I, he, you know, you already start thinking, well, maybe he's not going to last a long time at Utah. Maybe he's going to jump ship. But, but he certainly is a guy that uh, can be a foundational player for this offense for the next few years. Frank, I want to ask you about the Buffs, uh, Utah's opponent this uh, this weekend. And Carl Durrell, yeah. uh, you know, Carl Durrell, I didn't think much of him when he was at UCLA. And maybe I should have thought no. more more about him. Maybe the problem was UCLA, but the Buffs are undefeated. Is that how good are they in yeah. your mind? Well, uh, it's a strange year. So, I mean, you have to take all of that, everything into consideration. But, you know, what can you say? Coach Terrell has got gotten his guys to figure out how to be on the same page, um, and and find themselves undefeated at this point. That that is that's something. I mean, that's that's maybe even more than something with all of the craziness that everybody's had to had to face. And I always liked I always liked Durrell at, at UCLA. I liked his demeanor on the sideline. I liked the way that he presented himself as a head coach. I liked the way he led his team. For some reason, he didn't. It's it's like he didn't capture his team. I don't know I don't know what it was, but he could never get out of the talent that he had available at UCLA all that I think that he should have, or maybe lots of people thought he should have. But but I always liked him as a as a head coach. I mean, I I thought there were lots of positives about him. So I'm super happy for him. And sometimes it takes sometimes it takes that. You know, you have a little bit of a failure at that position. You learn a lot, and you come back much better the second time around you know i think you know maybe even bill belichick could have would have something to say about that um and and there's there's guys mike shanahan might have something to say about that having a little bit of failure and learning from it and then coming back and being being really good uh pete carroll probably has something to say about that so i'm i'm super hopeful i i mean i i i i I really like coach durrell uh, and I and I I like to see you know the South part portion of the Pac-12 really kind of carry its weight and and if they're going to do that then you know Colorado has to be a team that's in contention every week and and so it's I think it's a lot of fun to see and and the Utes <laughs> man the Utes have their hands full on on Friday night based on where the two programs are currently uh, even in, you know I think you just have to give the edge to the Buffaloes at this point um, with, with, with their stability and with their record. And I think it's going to be a heck of a game on Friday. Frank, thank you very much as always. We appreciate you. Catch you next week. Absolutely. You guys take care. Good to talk to you. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Frank.
Frank Dolce, our Ute insider here on the Zone uh, Sports Network. What do you think about that, Gordon? Car- Carl Durrell, it, it seems like a, so long ago he was at UCLA, and I thought, oh, ho-hum, and, and I didn't think much of it when he was let go there because I thought, oh, it's been kind of a mediocre program. But little did we know that would be the high watermark for UCLA over the next decade. And maybe the problem is UCLA. It wasn't necessarily Carl Durrell. That might have been a sneaky good hire for Colorado. Could have been. I mean, it looks and it's looking good so far. Uh, I still remember when he was catching uh, passes for the Bruins back in the day. That's going way back, man. That's revealing my age a little. He took down Pete Carroll at least once. Didn't he take him down twice? And one of them was, I, I think, cost SC a, a trip to maybe the BCS championship game. Do you I'll, I'll have to go back and look. But yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, was it him? I'm not sure it was him, but I, they did. That loss to the Bruins did cost them because that's what enabled uh, Urban Meyer's Florida team to get in. Right. Yes, yeah. correct. Yeah, absolutely. Was that Carl Durrell who caught that? Uh, caught it. Coached. Coached. Oh, coach, I was going to say, because I was thinking back to when he was actually playing. I, I got you. But he, he coached, and they beat okay. – I was try, I said, uh, you know, how many times did he beat USC? And I think he beat him at least once, and it cost him a trip to the national title game, but it might have even been twice. So That's right. I was thinking a decade prior to – but uh, anyway, yeah, well – it's it looks good so far. You know, I find that interesting that a guy can go. Sometimes it's a matter of man, time, and place. You know, and uh, you get the right guy in the right place at the right time. Uh, he might be successful one place, whereas uh, at another time or another place he might not be. So yeah, it's looking good. Colorado is way better than I thought they were going to be. Uh yeah. Well, I mean. Who knows? Because they've only played what Colorado now has played four games, five games, four yeah. games. They're four and zero, I believe. Uh, and I'm so not it's mistaken. it's just so difficult to gauge. But I, I think one thing's for sure: they are certainly a better team um, uh, than we, uh, a lot of us anticipated. And and maybe Mel Tucker deserves some of that credit, of course, because he's the one who who kind of created the the new direction and recruited a lot of those players. Uh, but uh, I've been I've been certainly impressed with with Carl Durrell thus far. Have you been to Boulder? I have. What do you think? What do you make of that place? Fun town. Has Jake been to Boulder? <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun town. It's like asking yeah, if Bol- I've been to prison. <laughs> Boulder is Jake's kind of place. I have a feeling. Pretty, uh, pretty wild and liberal there. Uh, would, would you consider wild yourself wild? Wi- would you consider yourself wild and liberal? I consider him wildly liberal. I'm uh, I'm fiercely independent and, and liberally been, wild and have been my entire life. Uh, that, uh, that, uh, the, that, the wild that, part, though, I enjoyed. Sure. That, <laughs> you want to elaborate? Uh, no, no. Visited some friends. Boulder is uh, the place where. What's that real famous mall that they have there? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> we weren't going to the mall. I have no <laughs> idea. No, no, no. It's not a mall. It's an outdoor. Uh, it's kind of a. It was a strip wet, something. No, no, it's kind of a West a strip End mall, kind yeah. of place that's kind of happening and whatnot, and a zillion stores and what, and uh, and places to eat. Anyway, that's the place where I saw a six foot five man fold himself into a three foot by three foot box. Wow, that's yeah. something I had never seen before. Me either. All right, we'll get to more big show coming up next. Stay tuned. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone.
Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Band of the day is truly irritated Austin today. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 975, you know, 1280 the zone. It occurs to me, Jake, that uh I think Hans's selection here may end up on Austin's list. <laughs> that could happen. This is horrible. Stay tuned, Austin's list every Tuesday and Thursday. Gordon, uh, can we talk about this real quick? The 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 curious saga that is going on with James Harden right now. Uh I don't know if you followed this story over the weekend. Uh, but James was supposed to be at practice on Sunday. He was a no-show. And they said it was COVID-19 protocols, and uh, that would make some sense because over the weekend he went to uh, a birthday party for rapper Lil Baby in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. and then videos and pictures of Harden hanging out in Las Vegas nightclubs circulated on social media the past couple of days, so that would make some sense. Wasn't he, Lil Baby the one that was getting the three hundred thousand dollars worth of goodies? I guess, yeah. James? I'm no. not up to uh, up to speed on my uh, on my rappers as much as I'd like to be, uh, but uh, it was on Gordon's list. I remember. But anyway, James uh, then was supposed to have kind of a one on one workout on Sunday, which supposedly he would be eligible for under the rules. Uh, no show mm. there. Uh, then come Monday today, uh, Coach Stephen Silas uh, made comments to the media. Um, and uh, James is still not there. And uh, Silas actually used the word holdout and uh, expressed that there is no timetable for his return. He said, quote, there's no timetable as far as I know. It is a setback. You're, you want your best player to be here, unquote. So kind of interesting um, that they were like, oh, COVID protocols. That's why he's not here. It's uh, nothing but uh, had a little too much fun over the weekend. And now today he's like, yeah, yeah, might be a holdout. <laughs> I'm not sure that I have a very good feeling about this. About what? What do you mean? Just the whole situation. James Harden is kind of a a tricky personality to begin with. And he essentially said he wants a trade. And uh, now with these kinds of shenanigans going on, it makes you wonder. Just makes you wonder how this is going to turn out, Dick. And if it was a lesser player... Then I would think, all right, whatever. But you're talking about the center of that franchise, and it's not looking very promising right now. Oh, if I were Houston, I'd move away from James Harden today. But that's easier. And not were, not only would I would do that, but I would trade him. I'd, I'd bring James in, and I'd say, hey, James, all right, we're going to do you solid. Where's where's <laughs> the – you know what? Maybe we can't move you to your uh, your number one choice. Uh, on your list, maybe we can't work out a deal with uh, with Brooklyn, but I promise you, we won't move you to the last place on your list. Where don't you want to go? And then when he answers that question, I call that team immediately. <laughs> because it makes you wonder: Are they going to get equal value for him? Do you want, regardless of what your opinion is of him and his style of play? You're not, but do you? He doesn't want to be here or be there. I guess I should say he obviously doesn't. I mean, he's been vocal about it. Uh, you've done everything over the past however many years he's been there to to get him what he wants. He tells you what he wants. He gets what he wants, and then he doesn't like it. 
Seen it happen over and over and over again. And now, instead of showing up to your team practice facility, he's uh, he's uh, hanging out at the Circus Circus. I mean, like, what? If I'm Houston, this is this is Circus Circus. When was the last time you were at Circus Circus? He's over at the Circus Circus playing skee ball. See, I have a feeling he might have been somewhere else. Uh, last time I went to Circus Circus, I regretted it greatly. I was dragged there by my kids, and uh, I had a headache in the first 15 minutes. Maybe he's uh, so. he's out there catching the joust at the the what's the what's the old <laughs> medieval English times? One? Yeah, oh, no, Excalibur. Uh, Excalibur. Maybe he's uh, over there. But I mean, what are you going to do? He doesn't he doesn't want to play for your basketball team, obviously. And if he does, then his his habits and his the message he's sending to his teammates are just terrible. I mean, I, I don't know. You 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 were talking last week uh, at some point, like maybe they think that they can salvage something. I don't know if you at this point, if I were the Rockets, I wouldn't want to salvage something. I, I'd call Sam Presti and I'd say, hey, how did you guys kickstart that rebuild there in OKC? Because we're going to do the same thing. Yeah, this is the worst case scenario for any NBA team is having a superstar player who's a malcontent. Well, and plus, you know um, what? I don't know if you can win with his game. I don't know. I don't know if you well, can win. They've done, pretty well. they've done they've done pretty well over the past few years. Kind of. You you go back to that one game seven when Chris Paul was hurt. I mean, that's what they have to hang their hat on. That's it. Well, that's 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 nothing more than you can say about the Jazz over the past number of years. What what round was that? Was that the conference finals or was that I no? So. I thought or was that the second round? I thought it was the finals. Mm. I'm not sure, actually. The conference finals, I thought. They they should have won that game. They should have won that series. I mean, it was just a fluky thing at the end. But, but you're uh, hanging your hat on a shoulda, and the only reason you were that good that year is because Chris Paul basically forced James to, to play a little <laughs> bit more unselfishly because he'd just gotten there. And after this, it was this, an extra year with Chris Paul, that totally went south. This is another case of a superstar player uh, some people think he's the best offensive player in the game. Uh, not willing to or not wanting to adapt himself to a team environment. And uh, maybe some of it, you could be blamed on the team. Maybe the team isn't uh, hasn't been completely fair with him. I do not know. But I do know that that's not a player. If you give me anywhere near the equivalent of that talent, either in one player or two, I'm going to take that over this because this is too much of a headache. It's it's like a, it's like a black hole that sucks everything into it. You know, James Harden just he has to have the ball and everything has to revolve around him. And I, I that's a that's a problem for a coach. You know, you almost have to give Dan Tony quite a bit of credit for what he was able to accomplish with that. And I know um, you're not saying he didn't accomplish. You're saying he didn't accomplish much, but like I said, they might have won an NBA title that year if they'd been able to get by the Warriors. Mida. Uh, I think that was so close, Jake. Mida. That was so very close. But didn't happen. And has, has blown uh, Game 7's outside of that series, too. But here's the thing. This is another reason that I don't like one-way players. Because the message it sends to the rest of the team, I don't have to play defense. That's your job. That's not my job. Get, I, my job is to, to let the air out of the ball and get all the, the flashy stats. Your job is to play defense. 
That just doesn't send a good message, I don't think, to the rest of the team. I don't know if you can win with that. I really don't. Well, it gets back to what we've talked about in the past and what I just talked about a minute ago. Do you want an attitude problem out of your best player? And he, it, it, come on, he just, uh, he just, that oozes from him, does it not? It does. Well, right, like, you have a truncated training camp for a season that's starting, uh, you know, right on the back of the other. Don't you want your guys in town, focused, working out? Not not set a, celebrating uh, birthdays in Atlanta and, and taking in a show in Vegas? I mean. But this is the same guy who was telling your management, your ownership, that he wants out of town. How do you fix that? Move him out of town. Give him what he wants. He passed <laughs> up a, an extension with a club that would have paid him $50 million a year. So he could go to Brooklyn? Go find a sucker out there somewhere. Wait, who cares about Brooklyn? If I, I, Why would I let uh, James Harden dictate where I trade him? Really, you're you're a vindictive man at times, Jake. You want to you want to send him off to the very team he doesn't want to go to. Well, I mean, I was half joking about that, but the point is, is I that, don't think you were joking. No, at but all. the the point is, Houston, I'm okay with it. The Houston doesn't have to have his permission. He doesn't have a no no trade clause, and he's under a contract for 2021 and 2022, and has a player option in 22 23. So. You know, if, for a whole lot of money. If it were the last year of his contract, maybe he'd have a little more leverage. But you can you can find any team out there that says, "Hey, I'll give you you I'll trade you James Harden. You have two years to convince him to stay." How many teams will jump all over that? Uh, Oklahoma City jumped on it with Paul George, and it was one year. Brooklyn jumped on it, or I guess it was New Jersey at the time with Darren Williams, and it was a year and a half. I mean, this was a no-brainer, but the Lakers did it with Anthony Davis. They did. Okay, yeah, that was a bit of a no-brainer. But your point yeah. stands. What's well, your point? Uh, the point stands. How about that? We'll share it. <laughs> our point? Yeah, our point uh, uh, stands. I mean, why you would can't you— can't demand a divorce and that your ex-wife uh, yeah. marries a certain person. You're under contract for two more years, dude. I'll send you where I want to send you. I'll send you to whatever team's going to send me the most back, and you're going to deal with it. Hmm. <laughs> what do you mean, hmm? Well, it's just such a shame. All right, let me let me give you let me give you a list of players, and you tell me if you would be willing to if you would trade uh, trade uh, James Harden for any of these. Okay. Mm. Just, Wait, whether I trade get, James well, Harden for them or them for James you, Harden? Whether you, yeah, you, whether you would, yeah. You, the point is, would you get rid of James Harden if you could get any of these guys back? Okay. 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 And let me give you 10 because there's a zillion out there. All right, all right, all right. Jason if, I, Tatum. if I'm the Rockets and in, in currently uh, in position. All right. Jason, Jason Tatum. Tatum. Yes. Da- Damian Lillard. Yes. Give me a give me a uh, How about uh, Jimmy Butler? Yes. What about Donovan Mitchell? Yes. For about James Nicola- Harden? If Nic- I'm the Nic- Rockets, would I train James Harden right now for Donovan Mitchell? A hundred times. But the Jazz? Yes. I don't know about the Jazz. Gordon assigned me Houston. I see. Yeah, that's not. How about Nikola Jokic? Yes. Uh, Doncic, you definitely would rather yes. have him. Um, who's somebody else that would even call it into question, Austin? 
If Delaney the others, Rudd like came Kawhi, out of Kawhi and Kevin Durant, I mean, obviously those that's, are. That's, I don't think it's a hard decision on Houston's part at all. I think it's the other team that has the decision to make. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I'm not giving up a star for James Harden. No way, no how. Hmm. Not even a potential star. If I'm Sacramento, I wouldn't say give that Marvin about Bagley a... for James yes, Harden. Yes, you would. No that's way. silly. Isn't that's that weird silly. to say about what some people think is who, who the best offensive player in the game is? I mean, it's it's almost like the Tom Brady argument. He's kind of a system guy, isn't he? Is mean, he going to be the uh, same system? when he goes to James the Buccaneers? Harden? He's not a system guy. He's a give me the ball and I'm going to take over a game guy. He's Which his, means he has to have a system that allows him to, to do, do that. that. He's his own system. Yeah, that's that's gonna, a big part of his problem. Regardless. That's the point. That's, that's exactly That right. is a big problem is he brings his own hey, system. Hey, Kevin Durant, sit in the corner. I got this. <laughs> Think about it for a second. Mike D'Antoni, his whole philosophy surrounding basketball was movement, was transition, was picture the way Steve Nash played like his hair was on fire. That was D'Antoni. Shoot within, what was it, seven seconds? Wasn't that his whole thing? Eight seconds. Eight yeah. seconds. Under eight seconds. Eight yeah. seconds or less, whatever. He gets the Houston job, completely changes the way he coaches, throws that philosophy into the garbage can and says, I have James Harden on my team. So my new offensive philosophy is, all right, everybody, stand around, stand there, look pretty, and let James go to work. Would you trade, uh, if you were a Houston, would you trade James Harden for Blake Griffin? Yes. How about Kimba Walker? Yes. Kristaps Porzingis? Yes. <laughs> How about Chris Middleton? Yes. Jalen Brown? Yes. Brandon Ingram? Yes. Zach Levine? Yes. DeMontis Sabonis? DeMontis Sabonis. Especially DeMontis Sabonis. I'd do that right now. Kyle Lowry? Yes. Darren Fox? De'Aaron Fox, in all seriousness, 100% yes. I like De'Aaron Fox. Udoka Azubuki? (laughs) <laughs> yes moving on how about how about cj mccollum cj miles even <laughs> CJ miles. moss fresca how about how about how about, how about, how about zach levine no, austin already asked that one yes oh he did how about drew holiday yes what about zach levine yes what about fred uh, van fleet what about justin wright foreman yes <laughs> <laughs> How about Zach Levine? Zach Levine, yes. What about a second-round conditional pick? And cash. <laughs> Throw in some cash and you got yourself a Eric deal. Eric Green. <laughs> Virginia Tech star Eric Green? The same. Yes. The one that was traded for Rudy Gobert. How about Zach Levine? I do. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Chris Paul? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, stay tuned. The Nod Sports Board is next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Number one. One choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. The zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now, your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. 
and the Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 Zone. Time to get a winner for the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. Correctly identify the Chevy Strong Play of the Game announced by David and Pat this morning at 850, and you'll win his own prize packets. The Chevy Strong Play of the Game brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. Speaking of PK, he's going to be joining the show coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. But until then, let's get to the Not Sports Report brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? So, two places. The first place we're going is to Honolulu, Hawaii, as today is the anniversary of the 1941 Pearl Harbor bombing. December 7, 1941. A date that will live in infamy. Yeah, well said. You make that up yourself. <laughs> I got that from somewhere. I don't. I don't quite know. Have you where. been to Pearl Harbor? I, I mean, have. it is. Yeah, it is. It is just fascinating. I mean, and uh, tragic in many ways. But uh, I've always been sort of interested in in historical stuff like that, and so I just want to take note of it. The other part of the Not Sports Report today is that since the pandemic hit, Jake. Uh, a poll taken amongst thousands of Americans says that 63% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. A quarter of the poll said that they've built up over $10,000 in debt uh, covering expenses. And uh, what's this? Let's see. Uh, it fi- the poll finds a 47% of Americans have run out of emergency savings during COVID. And two in three Americans add that they regret not having enough in the bank before the crisis started. This is uh, this is sad. I mean, obviously, we knew some of this stuff. You could suspect it. But living paycheck to paycheck is scary. People are going into debt right now just trying to cover expenses. 64% are cutting down on dining out and ordering takeout. 61% say that they are seeing fewer movies. 55% are buying less clothing. And 52% say they are traveling less because of a lack of funds. Uh, as far as the, let's see, uh, one in five Americans say that they're actually spending more during the pandemic. And uh, But for those individuals, it's not like they're out chucking money around. Their biggest expenses are tied to increased food and grocery shopping. Wow. Thanks for that. No response? Oh, I, I mean, this is something I've thought about for a long time now. <laughs> it's not a big surprise. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah. In the, the well, stats it's, it's about related living, to that. The stats about it's living paycheck to, to paycheck has been a that's a, that's a real thing pre-COVID. Well, just yeah, this is this by a, all this. Oh, this is a big deal heading into the holidays. You know, people. It was a big deal in March. Not, you know, people are probably to, listening to the show yeah. to escape these problems. You're Agreed. telling them they have that they know they have. It's 
the not sports report. I just thought they would let people know that they're not alone if they're uh, suffering a little bit in that regard. Thank you. I mean, I can't always cheer up everybody at the not sports report. I mean, I, I, I do it all the time. Never. I try to help people. I not lift true. their, you know, I boost their spirits. I do. False. But uh, today, I just a little dose of reality. Sorry. You know. Uh-huh. Well, uh, you guys just going to leave me hanging out here over the edge? Yes. I, I, yeah, absolutely. 100%. I do not endorse today's not sports report at all. I, I think we should be concerned about all life's ills. Uh, I think we should escape them with some fun at 450 every day. Some, and some sports talk with the great Patrick Kinahan coming up next. That's a guy that has a good time. He does have a and good enough time. Money. <laughs> Very lively, oh. upbeat Patrick Kinahan. <laughs> Able to take your Sorry. mind off whatever. I agree. Let's get to PK coming up well, right around. We'll the let PK tell us a joke or two, man. He'll 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 bring us all. Uh, well, PK, did you meet up. all your bills last month? How much food's on your table tonight? <laughs> How you guys doing? You hanging out? Oh, well, it's fine until <laughs> more next nine ninety seven five and twelve eighty the zone.